Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. is Gamecock Central's game day podcast Emerson Phillips with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell glad to have you along today seven o'clock kickoff tonight and the game will be televised on ESPN2 fellas the Gamecocks coming off this win over NC State last weekend and uh, you know I think it was a game that turned out to be best case scenario for the Gamecocks they got solid contributions from all three phases plus they got the win and Really no injuries coming out of this NC State game as well. So it looked like a best-case scenario for South Carolina last weekend, fellas. Yeah, and I think, uh, guys, that sort of the way the game came across and the fact that, uh, you know, they had to face a little bit of adversity uh, along the way. Um, you know, I, I think the first half we saw a, a lot of the issues we thought might plague the defense sort of pop up. And then the second half I, th- I thought we started to see uh, some very real progress, you know, as far as uh, doing some of the things that we talked about this team needing to do if they're going to have a successful year. Particularly, Chris, I, I thought that the way they played defense in the second half on third and longs compared to the third and longs in the, in the first half when they just were not able to get off the field uh, was, was something I, I don't want to put too much into one half, but if they can continue to do that, then obviously that that's going to help this team moving forward. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they came out in the second half, and I think really a, a key for them was that third quarter, where, as you pointed out, they were able to get after the passer a little bit more. They did force some third and long situations, and NC State did hit them on a couple downfield passes, but uh, they came out, they, they got some sacks, they got some pressures. You know, South Carolina had four sacks in the game. They got a sack on a three-man pressure during the game, which we haven't seen in a while, I think and uh, had 11 tackles for loss. And probably both of those are a product of NC State running, you know, 100 plays. Um, but also, I think it this this defense just passed the eyeball test. They, they still have, look, a lot to work on, there's no doubt. But just in terms of how they played the run, rushed the passer, how they looked up front, some things that they did in the passing and running game in terms of defense, I think it was a, a better performance, even though it's not what they wanted in terms of uh, you know, snap count, and I know, Wes, you explained that on some of our content on the site, how that happened, um, you know, in terms of 
uh, the points that they gave up, the yardage they gave up, they want to clean up a lot of that stuff. But overall, it was, a, I think, a better performance than, than they would have turned in last season. I think it showed progress. Fellas, certainly uh, areas for improvement for the Gamecocks, but you look at Debo Samuel, SEC Special Teams Player of the Week, 16 tackles for sophomore linebacker T.J. Brunson. He leads Power 5 football in tackles through one week of the season. I really couldn't have asked for a much better start to the season for the Gamecocks. Yeah, and, you know, I went back and watched T.J., and sort of just focused on him. I, I didn't realize as the game went along um, how you know how many tackles he was racking up. But then you go back and you watch what he did, and and I don't I don't know that necessarily we thought coming into the year that Brunson was ready to be that player we saw. But but I think looking back, sort of the confidence the coaches have shown in T.J. Brunson this off season, um, the confidence that his teammates have in him. Uh, this is a guy for South Carolina that we've. I think uh, in our coverage leading up to the season, we maybe have undervalued what T.J. Brunson could potentially be for this team. And um, I, I like the fact, the thing I like most about T.J. Brunson is what Will Muschamp said after, is that T.J. Brunson is harder on himself than even Muschamp is on T.J. Brunson. So I, I think this kid has a bright, bright future in the program. You look at the linebacker spot and how that's a question mark, um, especially going into next year when you lose two seniors. And uh, that, that's that's huge for this team both this year and next year that uh, that he can sort of step up and step into a bigger role. And, and, and I'm just happy for a local guy too. Anybody who's ever talked to or interviewed or been around T.J. Brunson, uh, just a first-class kid. So you, you got to be happy for him. That was a big performance for him, obviously. Yeah, Brunson, uh, I mean, just <laughs> – just a really good – I mean, as Muschamp said it, glad he's our Mike linebacker. Just really, really active. And I'm with you, Wes. I mean, I thought this guy was – really liked him out of high school. You know, thought he was going to be a good football player. But, um, you know, just in playing sort of sparingly last season, special teams and some backup snaps, didn't see the field a ton. And he really looks like he's a smart, intelligent player. He's always around the football, which is what you want out of your Mike linebacker. Um, and he's a big physical guy. You know, he, he looks bigger this season than he did last year. He's physically matured. And so uh, for him to step up and be sort of a stalwart alongside Bryce Snell Williams and Scott Moore is huge. They still need to develop some depth behind those guys. Uh, but his emergence, I think, is really going to help this team if he can continue to be that consistent. So a great start for the Gamecocks, winning as an underdog in this neutral site game last week in Charlotte over NC State. And, fellas, if there's been one negative topic that we've had this week, and it hasn't been anything major, but it's been something we can sort of laugh at at this point, uh, it was the commentary from Greg McElroy, the uh, color analyst for ESPN, who – seem to side with NC State on a lot of the calls that <laughs> seem to be 50-50 in the ball game, plays that were subject to review. And uh, the Gamecock fans, I think, didn't appreciate uh, the angle that McElroy was coming from. And that brings us to our first call of the day from the Gamecock Central Hotline. We have the Gamecock Central Hotline set up for you if you want to be a part of our podcast. You can call the hotline number. It's 803-497-9058. That number again, 803-497-9058. We do have some calls that we're going to get to today, and we're going to hear first from Royce, who was asking about uh, Greg McElroy and some of his commentary during the game, the TV broadcast on Saturday. Hey, guys, this is Royce. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just had a question about the commentary for Saturday's game. How much money do you think Greg McElroy had riding on that game? 
All right, so there you have it, fellas. Thanks for the phone call, Royce. Uh, a lot of Gamecock fans not pleased with Greg McElroy during the game. I think most folks like McElroy, fellas, uh, but he definitely seemed to be wearing red glasses on Saturday. Yeah, and you know, you know what? I, I was going to say, I, I normally think he does a really good job, and, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to, you know, oh, this, this guy doesn't like my team and stuff like that, but uh, Royce and a lot of Gamecock fans do have a point. It, it seemed like even some kind of, you know, 50-50, but where to me it looked pretty obvious, eh, that, you know, that probably goes South Carolina's way. Uh, Greg was having none of it, so I I, I agree. I, I thought he was he was at the very least off his game on Saturday. It, it was a little strange, um, you know, and I'm with U.S. I, I think he does a good job and keeps it down the middle. He's had a lot of nice things to say about South Carolina. He's not a guy who's some noted um, hater of the Gamecocks and – um, I, I do think, I mean, look, these guys do pay, get paid to not only just tell you what's happening in the game, but tell you about angles and storylines and give opinions. And uh, sometimes that's just sort of part of the broadcast experience. I don't think it was as bad as y'all remember when South Carolina was playing UCLA in the College World Series. And the, the announced crew then was just completely unprepared for anything but UCLA to win both games 20 to nothing. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was nearly on that level. Yeah, that was Oral Hershiser, if memory serves, uh, doing color during the College World Series back then. So uh, just a bit befuddling that um, McElroy, the, the video that we were watching on the replays just didn't seem to back up his opinions uh, for some of those questionable calls or, or 50-50 calls. So thanks for the phone call, Royce. Uh, fellas, let's turn our attention now to Missouri. And, uh, you know, an interesting game for Missouri last Saturday. They rolled up 72 points in a win over Missouri State, an FCS opponent that went 4-7 uh, and seven last year. They were 2-6 and six in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And this kind of a middling FCS program. Missouri had its way all day offensively, a record-setting day for the Tigers, over 800 yards of offense and 520 yards passing for quarterback Drew Locke, including seven touchdown passes. Missouri scored 10 TDs in this ball game against Missouri State, but uh, you know, defensively, Missouri State moved the ball up and down the field most of this ball game. In fact, Missouri State had the lead several times in the first half. Missouri State finished with 492 yards of offense, and uh, they scored 35 points in the first half. Now, Missouri had 48 at halftime. It was 48-35. Missouri at halftime. So a record-setting day for their offense, offset by the fact that their defense really had problems against uh, you know middle-of-the-road FCS team. And you got to believe Missouri very concerned about a much more potent Gamecock attack that comes into Columbia, Missouri today. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think, you know, it's very interesting because Missouri's first game this year offensively, um, you know, when we talk about what they did on offense, last season they played, I believe it was Delaware State, and put up, I think, what was it, 79 points on them. And our colleague at Power Mizzou, Gabe DeArmond, pointed out that that was probably the worst football team he's ever seen uh, at Faroe Field. Um, and, you know, after that they were just sort of, you know, they were had some up and downs offensively the rest of the season once they faced better competition. So will that be the case this year? I'm not sure. But uh, what I do know – is man that that performance defensively the first week for Missouri maybe it's a little bit of an outlier maybe that's their worst defensive performance of the year but I think it's a bit alarming who the opponent was not to take anything away from Missouri State but it, I, I, my understanding is it's sort of a middle of the pack you know FCS team and Missouri looked really really bad in a lot of different phases of the game and and I think that's something that 
you can't take everything away from just one football game, but I think you can sort of draw from that that things may not be all that peachy on that side for Missouri. And Barry Odom's a good defensive coach. They are playing a lot of young guys, and I'm sure they'll get some things figured out, but it does look like an area in which South Carolina can take some advantage. All I could think of watching uh, that game on YouTube was was basically that when Will Muschamp was watching that film, uh, his eyes were probably bleeding. Like, you know, a, a defensive guru uh, watching that display of defense was uh, just – I thought it was atrocious. And, and I, I thought the team speed, uh, mainly, you know, watching Missouri's offense and how they looked, I, I thought part of that – not that Missouri's not really good on offense. I thought some of that – was from the lack of team speed overall for Missouri State. Uh, just could they could not hang with Missouri's receivers either before the ball was thrown, after the ball was thrown. Uh, you know, yards after catch, the deep passes as well. Um, you know, I, I thought the opponent played a big role in that. But but then I, you know what, I watched Missouri's defense and and they didn't look like an overall uh, extremely fast unit either. So I'm I'm kind of curious, guys, to see how South Carolina is going to match up against this Missouri squad. And um, it, it'll be difficult to defend them, no doubt. But this certainly – I mean, people have been talking about it all week. It's not some great you know, analysis or anything, but it certainly seems like a defense South Carolina should be able to score some points on. Everybody's figuring this game is going to be a shootout, fellas. The total opened at 72. It's already up to 74 or 5, depending on where you look. And everybody likes the over in this ball game based on the fact that the Gamecock offense played well, particularly in the first half last week. And Missouri scored. You know, they left their starters in. They, they weren't able to put Missouri State away until late in that ball game. So their starters played uh, all but about the last six minutes last week against Missouri State. So everybody thinks this is going to be a shootout. And let's talk more about the Missouri offense here. Drew Locke, and they got a couple of wide receivers that are very talented. Jamon Moore. 1,000-yard receiver a year ago, had four catches for uh, nearly 200 yards in this ballgame, two touchdowns, you know, long TDs for more, big plays throughout the ballgame. And they've got a slot receiver named Jonathan Johnson, who is a smaller receiver, more a 6'3", about 205, and Johnson's five foot nine. He'll line up in the slot, but a speedy slot receiver that uh, could present some matchup problems for the Gamecocks. And, you know, a depth at tight end as well for Missouri. They got three tight ends that they're going to play, and a really big offensive line that uh, allowed running back Demarier Crockett ran for 202 yards in this ballgame. So weapons all over the field for Drew Locke and you know Missouri offense that uh, was firing on all cylinders. 72 points last week in that win over Missouri State. Yeah, uh, Emerson, skill players everywhere. Um, you know, and they're yeah. I think with these high-profile, high-scoring offenses, you think of the passing game, but then you you look at the Crockett kid and. Uh, you know, very, very good football player in his own right, especially with Missouri all spread out and teams having to account for the passing game. Uh, that gives him lots of opportunities in the running game to make plays. And, you know, I, I think um, the, the second thing I notice about Missouri is all that skill talent we're talking about. The first thing you notice is just how fast they get to the line of scrimmage. You know, most of the time they are hurry up, no huddle, and if you watch, they're, they're kind of only slowed down by the speed of the ref spotting the ball. Most of the time, as soon as the ref spots the ball and then he gets into position, uh, they're snapping the football, and there's generally 29, 30 seconds left on the play clock, and it, it's, it's almost robotic how they immediately, at the end of a play, get to the line of scrimmage and, and then just snap the football. Yeah, and that causes your defense a lot of problems. You know, um, the, the issue with Missouri is – um, you know, 
they don't want to create a bunch of warp speed three and outs. You know, then, then that's putting their defense, which again does not look that great thus far with our one game sample that we have. That puts their defense in a really bad spot. That means they're not getting on the field, allowing South Carolina to possess the ball. But it is a difficult thing for defenses that they're playing against to defend because they are going so fast. Um, you've got to really be focused. You got to get the defensive call in immediately, which probably means you've got to keep it more simple. You know, to be frank, a lot of the time, um, you've also got to be focused. You got to know your assignment. I mean, sometimes you may be in a complex coverage, and so you got to be able to think extremely quickly in the back end. Your your big guys are going to get tired. They're not going to have a lot of time to go out there and pass rush and get to the quarterback. And whatever energy they're expending is sometimes wasted because they're getting the ball out pretty quick. Um, and then they're pretty good at running the offense. You know, they get the ball out into space to some talented receivers, and and they can run it too with with Crockett, as you mentioned, Emerson. So um, that makes it a, a really big challenge. Fellas, we heard earlier this week from Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com, and he said that two stops a half for either team defensively could be enough to win this ball game. Will Muschamp said earlier in the week in his press conference that the Gamecocks want to run the football more. So talk about game plan this week, uh, Wes, Chris. Uh, you know, South Carolina looks to be able to exploit this Missouri defense. I think based on what we saw through one week, you know, the Gamecocks have got to like their chances to move the football and score points against Missouri. But you got to feel like Missouri, after its big production offensively, feels the same way. Yeah, and Chris, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you hit on what you know you think the game plan might be. But I, I, I'm not so sure, guys, that that we're going to necessarily have this track meet everyone's expecting. You know, uh, a lot of times it seems like when that's the expectation, it, it doesn't always go that way. You know, two two stops per half, you know, could win the game. I. I don't know. I don't think this is going to be an all-out Big Twelve style matchup. You know, I think this is still the SEC. Um, you know, last year the game was what thirty-one to twenty-one, South Carolina. Um, you know, there was some scoring. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of ball movement from both teams, but it, it wasn't an absolute shootout. Um, you know, I think both offenses are are improved from then, but but still. I, I think we're going to see defensives have their say. We're going to see some punts. Maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it is 42 to, you know, uh, 45 or something like that. But I, I, I think this is a game where, again, and I, like I said, I'll let you hit it, Chris, but if South Carolina can run the football and possess the ball, then I, I don't think this is going to be a 40-something to 40-something football game. Yeah, I, I think they would not want that, in fact. But, uh, I, you know, the, the two keys to victory for me – um, you know, I would look at last year's game. Now, I, I'm not a huge fan of doing that because it's two different teams. But when we look at philosophically what South Carolina's going to do on defense, what Missouri's going to do on offense, vice versa, there are some differences. Sure, there's some personnel differences. Um, but last season it was a pretty close overall. It was a 10-point game in favor of South Carolina. And two statistics really jumped out to me. And one was that, uh, you know, South Carolina possessed the ball for 36 minutes to Missouri's 24. So they won that time of possession battle, limited Missouri's possessions to that extent. And on top of that, South Carolina also won the turnover battle. They created three, and then they had zero of their own. And so I think those two statistics are absolutely huge. And, and Will Muschamp's talked about 
you know, some of those things, especially turnover margin in terms of what it takes to go and win games. But those were huge last season, and I think it'll be pretty big this year too. Fellas, this is the conference opener for both ball clubs, and obviously one team's going to leave this game 1-0 in league play, so the, the game is huge from that standpoint alone. But when I look at uh, the fact that Jake Bentley is making just his ninth start, and he didn't win a road start last year, didn't get a lot of opportunities, played at Florida and at Clemson, but he has not won a game on the road yet. So you got to look at this game as an opportunity for him to allow his confidence to continue to grow. Talk about the importance of getting that first road win and what that could mean for the Gamecocks the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it would be big for confidence. And look, even beyond just a road win and confidence, is I think uh, when you look at this early slate for South Carolina, this is a very difficult schedule. The NC State opener was a difficult game. And they, fortunately for South Carolina, walked away with a win. That said, this early stretch in September with NC State at Missouri, Kentucky at home, uh, that three-game stretch to me does represent their best shot to notch three straight wins this season and, and to, to start it out well and to start working your way towards a good season, towards bowl eligibility, which is you know always a goal of any football team especially with where this program's at and its development. They just need to continue to progress. So, um, yeah, I mean, any win's a confidence builder, but I think more than that, just just adding another win to the total and, and playing well and staying healthy would be huge. All right, let's take our second call today from the Gamecock Central Hotline. We're going to hear from Tyler, who is a student at the University of South Carolina. He's got a question about Jake Bentley, and when we come back, I want to ask you, fellas, about uh, the two quarterbacks in today's game, Jake Bentley for Carolina and Drew Locke for Missouri. But first, let's listen in to Tyler. Uh, hey, guys, this is Tyler. I'm a freshman at USC this fall. Where do you think that Jake Bentley will rank uh, in terms of best SEC quarterbacks by the end of this season? Thanks. All right, thanks for the phone call, Tyler. Fellas, what do you think? Where does Bentley rank among SEC quarterbacks this year? You know, I, I think, uh, guys, he's he's in the conversation is, is sort of where I put it right now as far as uh, the best in this league. Uh, you know, are, are we ready to say that he is the best? I, I don't think so. You know, I, I think there's some guys with, with greater experience that you have to maybe give the edge to, but uh, does he have a capability of sort of um, – getting into that mix and, and maybe passing some of those guys. You've already started to hear uh, guys like Gary Danielson um, really pra- praise Jake Bentley and, and mention them as being, you know, mention him as being maybe the, the top guy in the SEC, at least the top guy in the SEC East. But, you know, I, I think you look obviously at Drew Locke this week. Uh, you look at Jalen Hurts at Alabama. You look at Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State, who uh, was outstanding against South Carolina last year. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. So the the guy that we believe is the best in the league may actually sort of shuffle as this year goes on. I mean, in the way society is right now, everybody sort of takes what happened – you know, this week and jumps all over it, and uh, this is how it is because this just happened. So, sort of in our, our social media world, I, I feel like some weeks Jake Bentley may, may be that guy. Other weeks Jalen Hurts is going to have a big week. Other weeks it may be Nick Fitzgerald, um, you know, Jacob Eason, who's injured at Georgia right now. Uh, there, there's a lot of candidates, I feel like, that are in that conversation. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing, Wes. And, you know, we talked about this with Chris Lowe of ESPN.com in a recent conversation that we both had with him. And just sort of surveying the landscape, it looks just a lot better 
across the conference in terms of the quarterback picture, both this season and long term, because some of the guys are young, you know. And, you know, you mentioned some of the names and got Shea Patterson and Jalen Hurts and, you know, Bentley Eason, Jake Fromm, who's going to play against Notre Dame at Georgia. Georgia's got a couple young ones that have talent. So, um, and there are some guys that I didn't mention. You know, Tennessee's got a guy who didn't even start their last game that some people feel like could be good in Jared Guarantano. And, you know, I don't know if we'll see him this year or not. We'll have to see. Uh, but I, I think I, it's hard to say Jake Bentley's going to be the best quarterback or he's the best one right now because um, it sort of depends on what metrics you're using. Are you just using the eye test? Who, who, is he sort of the MVP, et cetera? Um, I think he'll be, at the end of the day, he'll be, what, top three? I mean, is I think that's fair to say, possibly, because I think there's honestly some guys who are really talented. But in terms of the publicity he'll get after this season – and, and the accolades that he'll draw regionally and nationally as to where he is seen, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody does say, hey, he's the best or he's top three. But I'd, I'd probably place him in that in that upper echelon. It's just hard to say, yes, he's going to be number one. I agree with you, Chris. I think the perception of who the best quarterback in the conference is will probably change from week to week. But I think right now with the fact that Eason for Georgia is out, you could make the argument that – Bentley and Locke are the two best quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference, at least right now. So that's another interesting talking point for today, and we can continue on that. We've got other topics to talk about today as well. Let's go back to the Gamecock Central Hotline here. We have a call from Florida. Tyler from Florida calls in on the Gamecock Central Hotline, and he's got a question about the Gamecock defense. Hey, guys, this is Tyler down here in Florida. Love the podcast. So my question kind of is – how can you kind of reconcile saying that we have a, you know, young team when 60% of our defense next year will be gone? And if you can't get it done with Taylor Stallworth, Scott Moore, Bryce Allen Williams, um, King, one of the, the best cornerback coming out of, you know, the 2016 or 15 class, you know, how can you reconcile saying that we have a young team and if we can't get it done this year with the guys that we got, um, how much can the Gamecocks uh, fans put in next year when 67% of the defense will be basically gone? Uh, thanks again. Love the podcast. Uh, go Gamecocks. Interesting call there from Tyler, fellas. You know, the Gamecocks are young, but Tyler makes an interesting point. You know, there are some seniors on this Gamecock defense that will be moving on at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think with Tyler – um there his point is sort of how can how can we call him young if 67 percent of the defense uh and i i haven't checked his math i'm assuming uh that i mean that sounds right will be gone and i i think um you know what you have here is a there's a difference between being young um you know from from basically what classification are you in and then young as far as how much have you played how much have you played in the current scheme how much uh you know how much good experience do you have or you've played well and you know we we talked about it before the season South Carolina has a a lot of seniors on this team that needed to play better uh you know I think Taylor Stallworth has always been a pretty good player probably an underrated player for South Carolina but you know Dante Sawyer is a senior who's been a reserve prior to this year Yorick Jones is a senior who was in that group that they kind of challenged to play better late in the in their career this year 
Jamarcus King is a guy that um, has only been at South Carolina for, for one full season, had just started his second season. DJ Smith is a guy that's playing better as a senior. So, you know, I, I think if you're South Carolina, how do you get better? Uh, it goes back to what we've been talking about ever since this staff arrived, Chris, is uh, you have to recruit above the guys on the team right now. Uh, you have to recruit better players. And, uh, you know, I, I think – yeah, the the defense will probably take a step back early next year, which I, I don't even know if we can really start. It's hard to project what's going to happen tonight. So to start talking about let's project what the defense is going to look like, a full season, a full winter workout, a full spring, and a full summer, and a, and a recruiting class for now it is very, very difficult to do. But um, So I, I, would, I would put my efforts and energy on enjoying the season as opposed to already worrying about next year. But – uh, that said, you do it by recruiting guys, and if you want to sort of have have something good to think about, you look at the young guys from this defense who will be back next year. Um, you know, it, and your freshmen right now that we haven't even really got a great look at yet, Chris. Like, uh, you know, your Sharad Greens, your Aaron Sterlings, your Brad Johnsons, uh, your Taven Jackson, who's been injured. All those guys will probably be in a situation to play a major role on next year's defense. So, uh, but again. Uh, Dude, it's game two of this season. <laughs> 7 o'clock kickoff tonight for the Gamecocks in Missouri. The game's on ESPN2, and this is the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark. If you have not downloaded the Gamecock Central Radio phone app, you can get it now on the App Store and on Google Play. It's a free app. It allows you to listen to our free podcast from your mobile device or your cell phone. Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Gamecock Central Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or other popular services, or just visit Radio. GamecockCentral.com. We're going to move back to the Gamecock Central hotline. This is a new feature, new phone line that we've got set up. Give you that number again, 803-497-9058. You call the hotline, leave us a voice message, and we'll play the recording of your voice on a future edition of Gamecock Central Radio. Back to the hotline we go. Hey, guys, it's Michael from Chapin. I was just wondering how do you think uh, South Carolina will handle Missouri's RPOs? And uh, a second question. With the starting offensive line group that we've seen so far, um, what do you think, barring injury going forward, what do you think the outlook is for the season and whether or not this group goes the distance? Thank you. Thanks for the phone call, Michael. A couple of questions here from Michael from Chapin. How will South Carolina handle Missouri's run-pass options, Wes, and what's the outlook for the Gamecock offensive line the rest of the year? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll answer those backwards. I, I think the South Carolina offensive line – uh, to me, was one of the most pleasant surprises if you're South Carolina from the game this past week. Uh, I, I liked what I saw from the bunch. Now, does that mean that all you know all issues are fixed completely? Probably not. Uh, you know, do you do we probably still see some different guys in there along the way, even without injuries? Uh, I think so. I, I think at some point. DJ Park's going to get a shot in there. Uh, I think at some point at left tackle, Dennis Daly's going to get a shot. But uh, I think all things considered positive start you feel a little bit better about South Carolina's offensive line um, from just watching one game compared to what we thought about it coming in uh, you know RPOs I, I think that that's a question that every defensive coach in the country is probably asking themselves how, how do we stop these how do we slow these down uh, and, and Chris I, I think that's something where you always sort of see uh, from a a big perspective from like a grand scheme of things you always see uh, maybe an offensive innovation, then you see defenses try to catch up. 
And right now, I think we're still sort of in the defense's catch-up um, stage of, of RPOs. But, uh, again, assignment football, always important. And South Carolina, uh, I don't think we can stress enough how well they have to be able to use their eyes and spot their keys. You know, Muschamp talked a little bit last week about how uh, South Carolina was sort of getting their eyes in the wrong place at times and getting out of lanes defensively. So I, I think that's going to be key. At, at the same time, uh, it seems like with those RPOs, there are times when they they just got you. You know, it's, it's a good execution. It's a good call. There's not a whole lot you can do defensively sometimes. Wes, we heard earlier this week, in fact, we got a very good podcast with a look at Missouri football from Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com. Gabe said that excitement about the Missouri offensive production last week was completely tempered by the fact that the Missouri defense gave up so many yards and so many points 35 first half points Missouri gave up to Missouri State last week so you know we spent a lot of time this week here on Gamecock Central Radio talking about how productive the Missouri offense was and what a big day it was for them moving the football and scoring points but folks in Missouri are completely focused on the fact that their defense was poor last week and they're very concerned about that coming into South Carolina yeah and I think that they should be um and again, I, I think, especially these days, Emerson, don't you feel like we just as a, uh, as fans, just any, anybody who watches college football, we always kind of take too much from, from one game. Uh, I, I feel like it's not us in particular, but just everybody puts way too much emphasis on one game. But at the same time, if you're a Missouri fan or Missouri media watching, uh, there were so many things wrong with how Missouri played from – uh, not being able to stop the run, not getting a pass rush, not tackling well, um, having guys out of their gaps. Uh, there's so much to clean up that I, I think you have to be worried if you're Missouri. And, you, you know, I, there were so many opportunities where Missouri State w- was able to actually um, at times run run the football on third and long and pick up first downs. Uh, there was a third and 24 where um, Missouri State was backed up towards their own goal line and they they had perfect protection hit a pass down the middle of the field uh broken tackle and then it's a, an 80 yard touchdown for missouri state so uh, there's so much for missouri to clean up I, I think that we'll see some improvement from them but uh if i'm a missouri fan i i am a, i am pretty worried about what i saw and i you know what emerson i didn't think coming in barry barry, Odom's, barry odom is a defensive-minded coach I thought this would at least be a somewhat improved Missouri defensive team, but uh, from you know with 60 minutes of football as our guide here, so far that's not been the case. Yeah, Gabe said that Missouri State had six plays in the ball game last weekend that totaled about 300 yards of their total offense. They finished with 492, and one of them was that 89-yard touchdown pass that came on third and 24. So, plenty of defensive problems for Missouri. And they're facing what you got to believe is a more talented South Carolina offense this weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see if it's the shootout that everyone is thinking that it's going to be coming into the ball game. So it's time now for our keys to victory. And for Missouri's keys to victory, we'll go back to Gabe DeArmond. He's the publisher of PowerMizzou.com. Well, I think for Missouri, number one, their offense is going to have to be on point like they were in week one. I mean, this is a team that's going to have to win some shootouts and going to have to put points on the board. And the key to that offense is getting DeMarie Crockett going so you really have a multifaceted attack. So that's number one. Number two, they've got to win the turnover battle. Um, you know, whether it's four to two or two to nothing, whatever, they've got to come out on the plus side of that. And uh, that, that's a point that Drew Locke really stressed. 
And number three, I think, is really a key for either team. I think this could be a game where the defense that comes up with four stops gets a win. If you can get two stops each half, whether it's a turnover, downs, whatever it might be, if you can come up with two stops each half, I think you have a chance to win because I think this is a game that could get into the high 30s, low 40s pretty easy. What Missouri has to hope is it's not the first team to 60 wins based on the way they played last week. But, I mean, the over-under 74, and I, I don't know if I, I – I don't bet. But if I did, uh, I think both teams could, could get up in the 40s. So there you have it, Wes. Keys to victory for Missouri from Gabe DeArman from PowerMizzou.com. And now we will listen in to Colin Taylor, staff writer for Gamecock Central. He's got Gamecock keys to victory today on the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Obviously, it's a shaping up to be a, a shootout. Uh, both Missouri and South Carolina have potent offenses. Right now, I think the Gamecocks have to st- uh, stop the pass. Uh, they struggle with that a little bit Saturday against Ryan Finley and NC State. And against Missouri, they're really going to have to make sure Drew Locke doesn't have a whole lot of time in the pocket to, uh, to throw. Because if he does, then you're going to be able to pick apart that defense. I think the pass rush is key, getting Bryson Allen Williams involved um, in that, and DJ Wanham, and making sure they're you know speed up Drew Locke's internal clock and makes makes him kind of feel like he has to get the ball out quickly. Um, Will Muschamp said earlier in the week that you know they throw, Missouri throws the long ball better than almost anybody in the SEC, almost anybody in the country, and so uh, if they can get to the Drew Locke quickly, then. Uh, it'll be hard for him to to throw that deep ball. And uh, I think that's huge for them. Uh, And offensively, I think they have to be able to run the ball. Uh, Drew Locke and that Missouri offense that can score over 70 points last week can't hurt you if they're on the sidelines. And uh, running the ball and controlling the the tempo of the game and controlling the clock is going to be huge. Uh, So I think that if Rico Dowdle and A.J. Turner both believe that they're going to run the ball more this week, they can exploit that. I think if they do that, then they'll be able to uh, move the ball effectively and it'll open up a lot of passing lanes for Jake Bentley. Um, but it should be a, a good game, uh, high scoring from what uh, all the experts and media think. Uh, so it should be should be a fun one to watch. All right, our thanks to Gabe and Colin for bringing us keys to victory, West. Final thoughts as we get ready for South Carolina and Missouri, 7 o'clock kickoff tonight on the Deuce. Yeah, I think, and not to be a, a cop-out, Emerson, but uh, – I think, again, we, we talked about it going into NC State. It proved to be true then um, in a close football game. Who makes big special teams plays, or at least does it mess up their special teams? Who plays the best in inside the 20 in the red zone? And who can not turn the ball over and force turnovers? Uh, you look at last year's game, I thought South Carolina's wide receivers very much outplayed Missouri's defensive back, several jump balls that South Carolina's receivers were able to go make plays on. On the other side, Drew Locke may be a great quarterback. He is, but he is prone to make the big mistake. He is prone to put the ball in danger. When the ball's in the air, South Carolina's got to play the ball very, very well. They did that some at NC State, other times not so much. So, you know, those are my keys, man. It's the game that, again, is going to be close. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter like Muschamp likes to talk about. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm South Carolina, any anything they can do to get that defense off the field and keep them from wearing down. One other thing I'm looking for, Emerson, I think we're going to see more players in this game as far as defensively. Uh, a they're going to go to their depth a little bit more. Uh, they're going to have to just trust those guys. It, they may make mistakes, but I'm talking about your your Sherrod Greens at linebacker, your Eldridge Thompsons, your Aaron Sterling's up front. Um, 
you know, Daniel Fennell at the buck position. Maybe we see Keyson Nixon. I, I think with as much spread as uh, Missouri uses, maybe you get a, a sixth defensive back on the field at times. Last year, South Carolina, or last week, I should say, South Carolina used their nickel some with five defensive backs, never went to sort of a dime look. I think you maybe see a dime look to just get more athleticism on the field, uh, maybe get a Keyson Nixon out there. But uh, this is a game that is so, so key for South Carolina Emerson. If they can head into Kentucky, 2-0, and night game, Williams-Brice Stadium, you got a great atmosphere to sell to prospects, and you're, you're off to a heck of a start. So uh, just a massive, massive game for South Carolina tonight, and uh, it should be a fun one as well. No question. Missouri feels like this game could be their season. You know, where they go from here, uh, where how they perform tonight against South Carolina could determine their fate for the rest of the season. If they don't beat the Gamecocks, they feel like they're going to have trouble getting to six wins this year. So, Wes, real quick before we wrap it up, buy or sell? Will Muschamp said earlier this week that the Gamecocks are going to run the football more against Missouri. Are you buying that or are you selling it? I'm, I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. I, I think that uh, I think they have to, man. And and I, you know what? I watched uh, this Missouri front. I, I think South Carolina can run the football on those guys. And I even thought, I thought obviously last week South Carolina looked like a better pass blocking team. From everything I'd picked up heading into this year, the line probably felt a little bit more, you know, better about its ability to be a run blocking unit. So I think we start to see that this week. Um, I watched Missouri State have success against Missouri's front. Uh, now Missouri's going to be challenged. There's always sort of that little uh, bump up in uh, in energy. Sometimes in execution, when a team gets just their manhood challenged, which I think is probably what happened at Missouri this week. So Missouri's defense is going to come out fired up. It's, it's going to be South Carolina's job to put them right back in their place and and make some plays. But I, I think we see all three backs. Uh, Tyson Williams, we didn't really get to see much of him last week. Didn't see a ton of A.J. Turner either. Uh, I think if you're South Carolina, it's time to showcase those three backs, run the football, and then obviously you're always going to have Debo Samuel involved in the game and those receivers as well. Watch out for Shai Smith too. I think this could be the week. And, and Emerson, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to say this every week until it happens. This could be the week that Shai Smith busts out. Sooner or later, he had, he had a few catches last week. Sooner or later, Shai Smith is going to take over a football game and become a household name. Outstanding. Something to keep an eye on in tonight's matchup, South Carolina and Missouri. Looking forward to it. Wes, thanks very much for being part of the Game Day podcast again this week. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. We'll have complete coverage after the game, Emerson, on Gamecock Central and on Gamecock Central Podcast. Indeed we will. Thanks to Chris Clark as well for being with us today. And I want to thank our callers who took part in the podcast today on the Gamecock Central Hotline. We heard from Royce, Michael from Chapin, Tyler, USC student, and also Tyler from Florida. So get involved with the Gamecock Central podcast. Call us on the hotline. Leave a voicemail. We'll play a recording of your voice on the future episode of Gamecock Central Radio. And that number, again, is area code 803-497-9058. For all of our callers, for Chris and Wes, I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for being with us on the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast.
this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.